Hello, I'm Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we are on Season 2, Episode 26, Deterioration of the Fight or Flight Response, which is a song sung by The Flaming Lips. Woo! Another awesome. killer song by The Flaming Lips. Also er- a super long episode title. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything else is... Like, last episode was, like, 27 seconds, and now this is the deterioration of the flight. And <laughs> you're like, good lord. Anyway. Original air date, May 15th, 2006. Written by Joan Rader and Tony Flan, which I, I think they're married, so good job. Directed by Rob Korn. 22.5 million viewers, which is down from last week, which... Actually, okay, that makes sense, because it's not from last week, it was from the previous night. So, like, this is one of those weird things that TV used to do back in 2006, I guess, because 225 premiered on a Sunday night, then the following night, Monday night, they got this two-part episode. So it does kind of make sense that a lot of people missed the memo. And maybe miss the finale. Yeah, or, like, because of, like, work and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. couldn't watch it. Yeah, but at 10 o'clock, or 9 o'clock, they couldn't make it home by 9 o'clock. God, you need to get a new job. I don't know what people were doing in 2006. (laughs) Yeah, so the fans had to only wait 23 hours before they got the resolution to this. So, I bet they were grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I have a little announcement. So... At the end of this season, we're doing a special podcast. Uh, it's a season two overview where we talk about the whole season two. And we want to put the ball in your court and answer some listener questions. So if you have any questions for us, they can be about Grays or they can be about anything else. Go ahead and send them in. On Twitter, you can send them to at Uncut, And you can also send them to our Gmail, which is Uncut at gmail.com. And just so you know, try to keep the questions seasons one and two if you can. I mean, we don't mind answering prediction questions for the future, but if you ask us, like, what do you think about this season five moment, we're obviously not going to answer that on the air. We'll just have to answer it privately to you. If you have questions like that, feel free to send them in. We just won't answer them on the podcast. We'll email you back. Yeah. All right. So, would you like to do an opening, or do you want me to first? I can go. Okay. This episode is almost, like, a kind of weird in a weird place, because it's kind of riding off the high of last episode, but it's also still not yet the finale. I'm kind of going to compare this to almost, like, the first episode, like, of The Bomb, so 216, because you're in this position where you know that something big is about to happen, and, like, you're kind of like, what is going to happen? They cut the Elvad. Like, you have all this stuff going on. But none of that really, really big stuff happens in this episode. So it's almost like a f- kind of setting things up for the finale. Or it's like, you know, they were off a high last week. It kind of drops a little bit down, a little bit, for this week. And then it just, like, goes on a high next week and just kill up end the season with a bomb. Pun intended. Yeah, uh, so I guess what I noticed was very similar to what Becca just said. I'm going to compare it to Rube Goldberg machine. You know those machines where it's like one thing leads to the next, leads to the next? You ever seen those on YouTube? No. 
You have. You just didn't know it was called a Rube Goldberg machine. Okay. So in this <laughs> metaphor, everyone Google it. In this metaphor, every episode of Grey's Anatomy before this episode is kind of like the machine, everything's set up. And then Izzy cutting the Elvad is the first domino being pushed over. And then, like, the two-part finale is just the showrunner sitting back and watching as all their hard work and everything that they've set up for two straight seasons is paying off and it's just falling right into place. And it's just, like, it's awesome. Just like I said last week, this is a celebration of sorts because now they get to ride on the wave that they created. All right, so now we get the opening statement. Human beings need a lot to feel alive. Family, love, sex. But we only need one thing to actually be alive. We need a beating heart. When our heart is threatened, we respond in one of two ways. We either run or we attack. There's a scientific term for this, fight or flight. It's instinct. We can't control it. Or can we? Yeah, so fun fact, this is the first episode to be narrated by multiple cast members. Also, you need more than just a beating heart to live. You need food and water. And oxygen. Sure. I don't really care. All right. So <laughs> we open with Burke bleeding on the ground. Anyway. Um, and then Denny, like... Flatlining. Like, pretty much dead. His Adam's apple, though... is massive. I know. I noticed that. I was like, good lord, Denny. Um, yeah. And then Derek is standing on a balcony overlooking the hospital floor. And in other terms, he's standing on his man pain bridge. Looking over testosterone creek. Which is, like, perfect. Like, like we have two men dying, and then Derek's just, like, I'm basically dying because of all my man pain. Well, wait, was he actually on the man pain bridge, or was he on that other, other overlook where Addison screamed at him last episode? I weirdly can't remember. It's like a black hole. I think he might have been on the other one where Addison screamed at him. Whatever. Oh, I didn't look that close. But he still is in a tremendous amount of man pain. <laughs> like, it's literally like, they're like, we're in man, like, man, a ton of pain because we're both dying with, like, Burke and Denny. And then Derek's just like, my man pain beats all of yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So whatever. After this slow motion montage, we get our first scene, which picks up with Izzy and George right where we left them seconds later. And it's like, I, I'm pretty sure they employed the shaky cam for this because this this gets intense. Like, mm-hmm. is he like flat out like, like finally shows physical dominance over somebody? She keeps talking about how she could beat somebody up and now we get to finally see it. But she also beats up on George. So like, is it really that? <laughs> I mean, George has testosterone though. And she's... Okay, well, yeah, but like, it's George. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I think George could beat somebody up. But anyway. Um, Depending Izzy, on what they did. Izzy goes, you press that coat button, I will hurt you. Not a lot because we're friends, but enough so that things will break. And I'm like, I believe you. Like, is like Catherine Heigl is playing full on. Like, and, and, and George's face is like, I believe you too. Yeah. But then Izzy's like, you have a decision to make. You can stay and help me or you can go. And I'm like, does he though? Like, if he walks out of that room... What is he going to do? Just, like, be like, well, I guess I'll just pick up where I left off and, like, work on some stuff. No, he doesn't have a decision. She she made sure that he wouldn't be able to leave because she was just like, I'm going to incriminate you. You have to watch me as I do this thing. Like, George can't doesn't have a decision anymore. But also she kind of, like, says it like, you can stay here 
or you could go. Like, in the way that it's like, if you go, I will hurt you. Like, you if cannot you go. If you go, I will hate you forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you, I mean, I guess that's a satisfying good first scene. Like, how else would you follow up from that moment? With Denny's funeral. I don't know. <laughs> no, this is good. I like this. I just like how, like, Izzy just, like, completely, like, ha- she seems completely unhinged. Oh, yeah. And I like, it's cool that I, that we get to see how she kind of gets all of the interns to, like, help her out. You know what I mean? Like, George is clearly like, Izzy, this is not a good idea. Like, we need to call a code. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And just, like, the sight of her, like, freaking out and her, like, saying all this stuff, it's kind of like, they're like, okay, we'll help you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's cool to kind of see, like, because later we'll get with Meredith and Christina, kind of their decisions or whatever to start helping Izzy and kind of go down this road of we're helping out this person who did something very, like, morally, like, ethically wrong. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So now we're down in the ER with all the gunshot wounds coming into the hospital, and the chief is like, here, run OR whatever, ER whatever, you know. Trauma 2. Trauma 2. And... I wonder if the chief is aware that sh- that he gave Christina the shooter. I don't know. I because f- I in a way I feel like he almost like was just like go just go go take that over there like just get out of here. But I mean it's no coincidence. I feel like that the writers gave her the shooter. Well, it, yeah, that's no coincidence. But yeah. I wonder if um, the Burke chief knew. Like if Not the Burke, chief knew. The chief. Yeah. Whoever the heck it is. I also love you're running this. Damn right I am. <laughs> That's that that guy's also kind of a tertiary character that I feel like we don't really know anything about. Like he's not like he's like a quatrary character. I don't know if he's a doctor or just like an ER nurse. Yeah. But that that dude a medical person. Yeah. Anyway. Um so this is so hard for us to cover because it's like Berg is struggling on the gurney and he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And, you know, they're like, no, lay down. It's like a bunch of medical. It's like medical, 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 you know? So it is kind of like tough. But like basically, Burke is, <laughs> Burke starts laughing and he's like, what, Dr. Bailey, when did you get here? And then there's like this tense moment where they're like, Paige Shepard. And I'm like, this is almost over the top to me. Oh, it's getting there. I just, like, Dr. Bailey, when did you... And he's laughing, like... Yeah. He's a little like, I was like... This episode's kind of also hard to cover because there are a lot of, like, quick... Just medical Shifting, stuff. like, s- scenes and, like, stuff, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you get a lot of back and forth, but... Now we get to meet the infamous PD, but, like, the whole audience kind of has a resounding, we don't care. Like, you did you notice that, where it's like... We've been talking about PD for, like, a full episode, but then when mm-hmm. you finally meet him, you're like, can we get back to Denny and Burke? Yeah. I was just like, don't really care. But I feel like that's the point of it, is because they're not giving him the attention, because at this point, it's not about the shooting, it's about... The characters? Denny. Like, what I was saying last episode with, I think one of the thing, reasons why this is... This kind of storyline is so effective in how they do it better... In early seasons, you know, when they get to kind of these dramatic storylines in later seasons, is I think because in this episode, it's not the shooting or the dramatic storyline that's running, like, kind of pushing what's the episode forward, you know? It's still majorly focused on Danny and 
that whole stuff. The shooting is just kind of in the background. Like, the shooting was just there in order to kind of get Burke shot and have that drama, you know? Mm-hmm. So then we get Christina fi- finds out. That she, like, really quickly finds out that Burke's been shot. Which I liked. Thank you. Like, thank you for not dragging out the drama, you know? It's just, mm-hmm. like, good choice, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And then she leaves. And I love this part where they're like, yeah, he's a lost cause. He's circling the drain. And she says, you don't get to kill yourself. You do not get to get off that easily. Push high dose, Epi, whatever. What? I want to be able to tell his family that I did everything I could to save his pathetic, miserable life. And I like how it kind of flashes back to that episode where Bailey made them do basically, like, all they could to help that patient just so they could tell the family, like, Mm -hmm. that they did everything we could. And I was like, I like how they subtly kind of, like, brought that back and, like, showed that, like, Christina, I think, kind of learned from Bailey, but then is also, like, this is why we're doing it. Because now, like, I know someone else, like, in this situation, like, you know, like, I know someone who's been shot. Yeah, but Bailey never said that to Christina. I thought thought it was Christina and Izzy. Mm -mm. It was George. And it was George. He's just like, I'm looking at the heart, the heart that's not beating. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't know. I still like, like, subtly, like, bringing that back up. I kind of like what Shonda says about the show is that everything comes back around. Like, she's constantly trying to, like, weave old um, moments or old themes back into the show so that, like... She does call back to old stuff all the time, mm-hmm. which, if done tactfully, is like this. If if done in season 15, it's obviously just stoking the nostalgia fire to try to get the viewers to, to show up next week, but whatever. So Christina just bursts into Burke's room and was basically like, leave bitches, I need to talk. And yeah, so then um, Burke is like, I need you to go check on Denny Duquette. Which is uh, I love interesting. Because Christina kind of has this whole, like, romantic for her, like, thing. And be like, oh, yes, like, I'm here for you. And he's like, go check on Denny. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs> that was my best supportive girlfriend and you kind of ruined it with medicine. <laughs> but it's not because Burke is, like, trying to almost tell someone else and be like, I know what Izzy's doing. Like, you need to go save Denny's life. Mm-hmm. And Christina's just like, babe, <laughs> I just made this cute little romantic speech and you've ruined it. <laughs> But it's like Grey's Anatomy's unmatched ability to mix drama and dark comedy. Oh, yeah. It Fantastic. rises again. So Adele is back and everyone pauses for applause. And it's the first time this whole episode where we kind of get to breathe out for a moment, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, I don't care. I just want to know what's happening with Denny. Yeah. But I guess that's kind of the point, is that it's heightening the drama. Or it's showing that like people are having normal interactions while all this stuff is happening yeah like the whole hospital isn't just encompassed in this drama thank you plus i I, like i think the interesting part about this storyline is you get to see richard's family but you also kind of get a glimpse at what the chief would be like as a father Mm -hmm. which is super interesting well he's always fathered meredith in a weird way but not this way it's strange yeah but anyway and it's also like this scene, or the storyline with Camille, like, I get it, and it's good, but it also, to me, seems like they were just kind of like, we kind of want this, like, we want a prom, and so we're just going to kind of throw this thing in here. And they worked backwards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 
I think it would have been a little bit more effective if maybe like a couple episodes ago, you know, like the chief like mentioned like, oh yeah, my niece has like something or if they like had her like in another episode, like coming in to like see Addison for like something routine, like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like kind of like weaved it in a little bit better. So it's not just like, here's the chief's niece and she has cancer and is dying now. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you know, like it's because we're so used to having everything weaved in that this does feel kind of like, hey, plot device. Like, a big flashing sign that's like, hey, we wanted a prom, so we worked backwards, you know? Like, yeah. there hasn't even been a mention And it would have her. been, like, I feel like it would have been different if it had, was just, like, some random character that they brought in and were like, we're gonna have this, and you'd be like, yeah, okay. But because it's, like, the chief's, like, niece, you're like, we totally should have, like, kind of had, like, an inkling of this before then to... Instead. Well, if it was a random character, the chief wouldn't change the whole hospital for Well, yeah. Her. Well, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, we get random characters kind of plotlines dropped on us all the time, but, like, because it's kind of, like, a family person and because of all this stuff that happens, you're like, I feel like it would have been affected if, if, like, two episodes ago, like, Addison was like, here's my patient, Camille, who is also the chief's, like, thing. And we're just doing this, and she has this cancer, but she's in remission, and, like, blah, 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 and fine. And then, like, this came up, and you'd be like oh, right, like, this happened a couple episodes ago, and mm-hmm. I understand this, instead of basically, like, this first scene being, like, we're gonna tell you everything that's kind of happened recently, and, like, all you really need to know about this situation to make it seem normal. Wow. Um, <laughs> that was a lot of talking. I know. Um, yeah. But I... I think that they pulled it off, though. Like, this, this storyline has never just completely annoyed me so good that's i feel like it has subtly annoyed me this is one of those things where i'm like this is like it's good scene but it could have been better yeah hey guys that might be a make one change but it wouldn't be for this episode god damn it okay whatever yeah so we're finally back to denny which is all we really actually want to see and george page meredith and Christina is just doing what Burke told her to and checking on Denny. But they kind of, like, come in at the same time, which is weird. They're probably, like, running up and, like, they're around. Christina was like, I'm going to check on Denny. And Meredith's like, huh, George just paid me that, paged me that room, too. This is weird. And then Izzy's like, you page Meredith? We need help. What the hell is going on? I love them. They're all just yelling at each other and yeah. screaming. She cut his elvide wires. What, what do you mean? mean? <laughs> yeah. And, like... Honestly, whoever, I'm um, obviously we know who wrote this episode, but they did a really good job. Like, it makes me wonder, how do you sit down and write dialogue for this? Do you think that they just, like, sat down and faced each other and was like, what's the first thing you would say in this situation? Yeah. And then they went back and forth and were like, that's a good line, we'll write that down. And, like, so, like, I feel like this quick bam-bam like the quick dialogue is hard to write because... It has to seem natural, but it also has to advance the plot, so it is, like, good. But, like, when Izzy goes, then Burke can call Yunos and he'll move up on the list and he will get his heart. And Sandra O's face is, like, phenomenal because in that moment, Christina and the whole audience is, like, Burke's not coming. Mm-hmm. And I like how she keeps trying to, like, be, like, about Burke. And they're all just yelling over but each see, other. that sounds natural. And it's, like, chaos. And then I love the, like, about Burke. What?! He's been shot. Title card. <laughs> like, George is like, what? Like, And I love, too, like, they're all, like, George, like, a couple of minutes ago, like, this is crazy, Izzy. Like, you need to stop. And now in this scene, he's totally involved in, like, the crazy. He is like, I have lost my mind, dude. <laughs> like, no one knows what is happening. We are all in chaos here. Well, I mean, okay, so I wrote down a bunch of stuff about Izzy and Denny's relationship. And I was gonna kind of wait until... 
the finale, but this, I feel like I should call into question. This not only calls into, like, question the human breaking point, like, at what point does human nature overpower institutions of control? Because I think we found it with Izzy. Oh, yes. She, her she... human nature just overcame the hospital's rules, you know? Oh, yeah. But even, like, I feel like her own code of ethics, like, any code, like, you're, like, you're not supposed to, like, g- kill someone to make them better, and, like, but also, like, logically thinking, too, like, that, I feel like, has kind of shut down in a way of, like, this illogical kind of thinking of, like, I have to cut his Elved wire and basically stop his heart so then I can get him a heart and make it better, and you're like, that's not feel like we're making different points right now. We might be. Why don't I just read every bullet point that I wrote? This relationship opens up this, like, awesome debate when it comes to ethics versus morals. And it's that classic tale of the man who steals medicine for his dying children, Mm -hmm. but kind of, like, puts a new, complicated, and modern spin on it. So Izzy is ethically wrong. Like, that's not debatable. But the point of this storyline is to call into question what is the human breaking point. Mm-hmm. So, like, at what point does human nature overpower institutions of control? And furthermore, how strong is the connection between friends and family, i.e. how far will the other interns go for Izzy when they're not getting anything out of it directly? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because we found that line with George, too. Yeah. We just found it. He's willing to give up a lot of in order to help somebody, even though he doesn't directly gain anything, gain anything from it. Because he loves her. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, that's why we've had, like, the past two episodes, George is being like, we're a family. You know? Intern OTP. Without intern OTP, this would never work. Mm-hmm. But then there's the television writing level. Like, you don't have to like what Izzy did. You don't even have to like Izzy or Denny as characters. Yeah. And you certainly don't have to approve of their actions. But, and, you know, you're not supposed to at the same time. But if you can't appreciate the unbelievably hard work, detail, and genius that went into this story arc, you are missing the point of being part of a television fandom. Like, you're missing the point. Like, and it kind of makes me sad when people are like, I hated that because of this. And I'm like, but you're not even having fun with it anymore. Like, you're missing the point of being a part of something like, a fandom or a phenomenon, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, I don't know. It, it always amazes me that people can't tell the difference between, like, what a character is doing and what a TV show is doing with that character. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of people, too, have a hard time with this scene because everyone just kind of looks at it from the ethics point and you're like, what she did is wrong. Like, this is wrong. But you kind of have to look at it and be like, if I was in an emotional state like that, like, you know, like, if I was in this situation, what would I have done? Like, it's like the story, like you were saying, with the dad who, like, stole the medicine for his kids. And you're, like, looking at it and you're like, yes, he stole. It's wrong. But if I was in that situation, like, wouldn't I do the same thing because it's my family and because that's, like, what they need kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard, I feel like, sometimes to separate out, like, yes, it is ethically wrong. And, like, no matter what anyone says, like, no matter, even if you're like, she was in love with him, whatever, it's ethically wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's supposed to kind of make you think and be like, 
What's the human breaking point? Mm-hmm. Eventually... Well, and, like, do we excuse ethically wrong things that people do for good reasons? That was the whole Law & Order episode last week, but yeah. Yeah, I know, and it's the question that we'll never actually have an answer for, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what makes it so intriguing, mm-hmm. is that you've been aligned with these characters for so long, and you, like, me personally, I love Izzy in this this episode, but I am also aware that what she's doing is wrong, but that's not, it's not like I hate her for it because Grey's Anatomy makes you understand how somebody could get to that place, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what is so intriguing to me. It's like, I should be mad at her, but I'm not. And mm-hmm. why is that? And I'm like, damn, this show is good. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think also half of it is the fact that they have been setting up that she's kind of going to kind of break the, like, go step over the line, do that thing, since, like we said, episode two, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Two or three. Oh, two. Whatever. You know? And so it wasn't this thing out of nowhere, because I feel like, and it's, like, I, it's easy to say this on rewatches, but I feel like even the first time I watched this, you're seeing this, and you're seeing her grow closer and closer to Denny, and you just know in the back of your mind, you're like, this is what they've been talking about with her, like, you can't get close to your patients, Izzy, and, like, that stuff, and you're like... And that's why it's so effective is because they're not just like, we're going to have Izzy just cut his elbow wire. And you're like, the hell? Like, that's stupid. Well, no. and also what I was saying about, like, how much would the other interns do for Izzy? As I've said before many times in the past, the audience is supposed to feel like the sixth intern. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to feel like you're in on it with them, that we're all part of a team and we're all part of this family. So it's kind of like, how... It kind of calls into question, would you stay in that room? And I think a lot of people would say yes, because the sense of belonging and the feeling of not being lonely, a huge Grey's Anatomy theme, overpowers that human desire, like like the opening said, that human desire, which you f- need to feel alive, is human interaction and to feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. <laughs> And so that's why I think they stay in that room mm-hmm. because they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Well, and it calls into question the whole, you know, people do crazy things for the people they love and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And every single one of them that walked in that room could have walked out, got a nurse, you know, like called or something, but they walked in and they're like, Izzy needed my help. And like, you know, like... And it's their human nature, because if they were robots, they would have just walked away. But their human nature overpowers. Mm-hmm. But even, like, Christina, who we said is, like, kind of nonchalant everything, she stays, because she's, like... She's a human. She's part of OTP. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting, because season two, episode one's theme was, um, if you become too much of a surgeon then you lose your humanity and now all the way at the end of the season we get another speech about humanity Mm -hmm. so there's a full circle moment right there where it shows that this is what happens when you're human like the best doctor would be a robot because we wouldn't have these issues but the problem is is that we're not robots we're people yeah anyway George is like, why didn't I take the internship in San Diego? <laughs> I love how they're all just, like, arguing, and, Bert and George is, like, in the corner, like, why didn't I do this? Why San Diego. Yeah, why the heck would you choose Seattle over San Diego? It might be a better hospital. True. And then Izzy, Burke's know. not coming. No, Izzy, Burke is not coming. I know you're having 
problems here with your possible murder charges and your unbelievably stupid idea about stealing a heart, but Burke's kind of busy right now. The dark humor, like, in this super chaotic situation, the fact that they were able to include that little, like... (laughs) I love her, your possible murder charges. (laughs) And Izzy's just like, you bitch. And Um, Izzy Izzy starts, like, circling the door. Danny's gonna die. Danny's gonna die. And I killed him. And they're all like... (laughs) Yeah, and then we have to tell someone, no, and this is Meredith, the leader of Intern OTP. Denny won't get the heart and Izzy will get kicked out of the program. And Christina wants to leave, which kind of makes sense. And Meredith gets her to stay, which I feel like Meredith is the only one that could possibly actually convince Christina to stay. I also love how they're all kind of spiraling out of control and Meredith is just like, no, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it. Let's yeah. go. So in my wildest dreams, in before she delivers this line, Meredith takes out a shotgun, shoots it into the sky, and then delivers it. So she goes, shut up, shut up, shut up. No one is leaving and nobody is dying. <laughs> and she then just, like blows the roof off the hospital. <laughs> yeah. Nobody is leaving and nobody is dying. And everyone, the, like Chief is dead in like the ER, like, oh, what was that blast? <laughs> Meredith. And then we finally get to hear Denny's voice. And he goes, thank you. Been getting kind of on my nerves, all this dying talk. And Denny goes, it's okay. I think uh, maybe we should all listen to Meredith. Looks like she might have a plan. And you know things are bad when Meredith has become the voice of reason. It is. But I also love how, like, Izzy was totally, like, in control of this. Like, we're cutting the oven. We're doing all this. And then she starts panicking. Like, Meredith comes in and is like... This is my room now. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my way. This is my kingdom, bitch. Like, I know I have no stock in this, and I've met Denny, like, once. Like, let's see. Like, she was on his, like, case, like, once. And she, and she's like, but this is my case now. I'm handling this. Meredith is quite possibly, a, like, the secret most loyal person on this entire show. Like, I feel like once Meredith decides that you're worthy of her loyalty, she will literally go down for you she will follow you walk off follow you as you walk off a cliff yeah like she will she will do anything for you but it takes a lot to deserve that loyalty oh yeah yeah and that's another example of like why people always want to please meredith they always are like you know and i also like her. the fact that we kind of get this meredith loyalty to someone not Chris. like it's izzy mm-hmm. not christina because you would typically i feel like would think with their friendship, you'd be like, oh, she would do this for Christina. And you had, because even, I think it was season one, you had inklings of Izzy being like, you know, like, you and Christina are so close, like, I'm kind of the third wheel, all this stuff. And this scene is kind of like, no, like, Izzy, you are really important to Meredith, and you're really important to all of them, because, like, they're doing this for you. Well, two things. One, I feel like it's because Meredith has never actually had a family, ever. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time she feels like she really has a family. And so she values them a lot. And two, like I've said in the past, Meredith can is the most selfish person when it comes to trivial things. But when it comes to real import, important things, she is completely selfless. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find so awesome about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So then we get this short kind of scene with Camille. And basically Addison and the chief are just explaining her backstory of like... Yeah, expositioning to us. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know, like all of this. And he's like, especially with the boy, like, you you wait right there. And like all this stuff. And I'm like, can we just picture what the chief would be like if like him and Alice worked out? 
and like he became like Meredith's father, like him trying to control young Meredith, and she has just been like, no. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the plot line of uh, season eight, episode thirteen. It's like an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what she just described. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of fun, like yeah. a different his different kind of fathering. Yeah. So now we come back to Denny's room, which let's be honest, I feel like this whole episode like even though these great other scenes and like the scenes with Burke and you're like this is satisfying but you're like but let's get back to Denny's room (laughs) yeah I know it's because we've been waiting for so long you know for like half a season and so Meredith's plan and they're like that's a terrible plan (laughs) oh no George oh that's a stupid plan but I mean it kind of is because Meredith is like no one has to know what Izzy did and it's like but Someone's gonna notice. Somebody's gonna notice that the Elvad is cut in half. Yeah, like, oh, I wonder how that happened. Because it's cleanly cut. Like, it's not like it, like, you know, deteriorated. Like, something happened to it. And you're like, oh, no, like, it failed. It's like, no, that is clearly cut with scissors. Well, no one has to know that Izzy did it. But they're gonna know what she did. Not that it was Izzy, but they're gonna know. Yeah. Like, that's... But, like, also, who else are they? Like, they're gonna walk in and be like, Denny's Elvad's cut. They're gonna be like... It was Izzy. Like, no one in their right Yeah, but mind. they can't prove it. That's the point. Well, yeah. They can't prove that it was Izzy beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. But, and then Izzy goes, none of us has done an echo on our own before. Christina has. Burke taught her. I'm, I'm not involved. involved. <laughs> and I like how Izzy, like, she's like a Terminator. Like, her, her head shifts over to, like, Christina. She's like, acquires new target. And... She basically, like, emotionally manipulates her. But I love this line. This is one of my favorite lines from this episode. What if it were Burke? What if you were me? Can you be Christina? This is bad. This is bad and serious and against a lot of rules. It's not fun for me. I don't want to play. I don't want to play. I like that. (laughs) What if it were... What if you were me? Well, I wouldn't have fallen in love with a patient. You fell in love with an attending. Well, so did Mare. What's the point? And then Meredith, the point is we can't help who we fall in love with. And then everyone is just like... And then George says, yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's another, like, subtle theme for the entire show is that you can't help Mm -hmm. who you fall in love with. Which is so true. And it's so subtle in a way that, like, you see it, but it was never something that I was like, think of Graves Anatomy, this. And, you know... But it just continues and continues and continues. This excites me because I do love a good theme. Yes. We we do know that. So now we're over at Mercy West, actually. And, yeah, Meredith is on the phone with Alex. And um, she, now she tries to emotionally ma- manipulate Alex, and it works. And she goes, Alex, do this for Izzy. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and he's just like, fine. <laughs> and I love also that Meredith is the one that gets Alex involved. Well, it couldn't have been Izzy, because Alex would have been too mad at Izzy. Oh, yeah. But you know what? I, like, Meredith has literally just taken control of the situation and been like, this is mine now. Well, she's Meredith fucking Gray. Of course she did. <laughs> he was like, I, he's, but I just like, she's like, you have to stall her, Alex. And he's like, no. And she's like, Alex, do this for Izzy. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because I feel like everyone, yes, <laughs> everyone respects Meredith. Everyone. Yes. They're all like, fine. You know what? Mm-hmm. Meredith, I'll do it because you told me to. And I also like... How in this episode and even last episode, we kind of got the subtle loyalty side of Alex because he covered for Burke mm-hmm. in last episode. And now we get the, him kind of being like, are you like, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but like, I'm going to try Like, I'll do it. And you're like, which goes along with the theme, human, human instincts, you mm-hmm. know, like that desire to feel like you belong to something overpowers mm-hmm. yes. other things. Well, that's, and I was going to say, I like how this is 
a different side of Alex, like a nicer side of Alex, but it's not changing who he is. Thank you. You know, because he says like the line right before is, I don't care if that drawing bedridden minor ever gets our said wiener. <laughs> Weiner gets a heart. And you're like, oh, that's Alex. And then he's like, okay, like, I'll do it. And it's like, it's not, you know, he's, it's not like, he's changed. He's a better person. It's just like, no, lo- Alex is loyal to people he cares about. And Meredith it just happens to be one of those people. And kind of, and he does have a soft side for Izzy. Like, but it's not like he's not Alex while doing it. He's like, I hate this, but I'll do it because yeah. it's you. Hashtag season five. Anyway, so now we're going to go over to Camille and Claire and Natalie. Which is like this weird, like, they're like, this is what teenagers are like. And yes, we're all like, I know. No. And especially because we're closer to the teenage age. I feel okay. like we watch this and we're like, so like 50 year olds wrote this, right? <laughs> like, did you, did you feel that when you were watching bit. it? I was just like, so this isn't what teenagers talk like. <laughs> That was a totally romantic. And you're like, ew. <laughs> and you know, like, and you know what's funny is that I bet you these actors, like these actresses delivering these lines, they're like, I can't believe I have to say this, but these 50 year olds are paying me. So <laughs> anyway, you know, that feeling when you look into someone's eyes and you're totally comfortable and you aren't self-conscious and everything is just like perfect. And you're like, ew. and they show Addison after that comment. And she's just like, no, <laughs> Addison's thinking what we're all like. We're all sitting there like, no. And Addison's like, you're right. No, but it's also Addison realizing that she doesn't feel those things with Derek anymore. Yeah, I know. Which is sad. But it's it's just, yeah. See, how can I, how can I want Addison and Derek's marriage to work out yet at the same time, I want them to break up yesterday. So Meredith and Derek can be together. Yes. Yes. It's It's so hard. Well, the thing is, is that Grey's Anatomy wrote two amazing shippable couples but one is clearly better than the other but the other one is still so good that it's like oh i miss them well it's like that thing of you know you're watching season two episode one and you're like i hate addison i hate addison so much and then like by the time you get to like you know halfway through season two you're like damn it she's awesome and it's more powerful because they didn't fall into that trope of making her the evil wife uh, yes it's way more powerful and i loved it but it was it was so hard like i remember the first time i watched it and we i think we got to like episode five or something and you're like so addison and i'm like i know i'm supposed to hate her because like she broke up meredith and Derek, but i love her and yeah. i'm just like you're, i'm so torn and i don't know what to do and well, you were like exactly and that's what's intriguing about this show is that they make you analyze they don't it's almost like they make you analyze yourself like why do i have these feelings you know <laughs> why do i like her i don't so, understand yeah so then addison's uh sorry then adele is saying I was just trying to remember the night I lost my virginity. Actually, you know what? Maybe you should read Adele because you have a great Adele voice. <laughs> I don't know. What's my Adele voice? It was like, I was trying to remember the night. <laughs> I was trying to remember the night I lost my virginity. And I can't. I remember who it was with and I remember I was 18, but I can't remember any of the details. And then Addison goes, I can remember all of the details. Kind of wish I could have <laughs> That bad. That was actually really good. No, it's just not good. Good came later. Then really good came. And you're like, ew. <laughs> you're like, Derek. And you're like, TMI. <laughs> that little girl in there is just getting started. She hasn't even seen what good is yet. Please, Addison, tell me she's going to have a chance to see what the good stuff is. Which is, like, weird that you want that for your niece who's 18. Yeah, I You know, know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, I want her to, like, 
see like good parts of life and like be able to see the world and stuff. I would be like, yeah, I want to have good sex. <laughs> yeah, that's a weirdly specific thing. Whatever. And but I'm fascinated by that line because is that implying that Derek was good but Mark was really good? Because that's the first thing I thought of. Interesting. I didn't think of, you wrote that, and I was like, ooh. Ever since ever since the first time I heard that line, I was like, I wonder if that's what they're saying. Yeah. Like is so, like is she somehow being like. Well, because when she said, and then really good came, she kind of said it, like, when you look at her face, she said it in a way, like, I kind of feel guilty for it. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I read it. But then Addison goes, I'm so sorry, Adele. And you know what? The actress that plays Adele is actually, like, out of nowhere amazing. Like, she's, like, kind of, like, a secondary character. She's not quite a tertiary character. She's, like, a secondary character that, like, nails it every time she comes on the show. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, okay, nice. Although all I can think about when I hear Adele is I think Mr. Man. Adele's sister's in town. I hate that woman. <laughs> Wait, isn't this Camille's Isn't Camille's mother the sister? I think so. In your fucking face, Camille. Your your mother sucks. Your yeah, your your uncle hates your mother. Also, that begs the question. Her child is like dying of cancer. The, the mother is like never introduced. She is. Oh, she is? Mm-hmm. When? Later in the next episode. Okay. I don't... I have no memory of the mother. Well, because I have a theory that everything that happens in 226 happens in, like, two hours. So maybe the mother is, like, trying to get to the hospital. That's fair. Yeah. But also, like, like she would live close by because their prom was close by. So obviously, like, yeah, but then, close but, by. But the chief in 209 said they're in town Mm. so maybe not like it might be one of those things like you know how sometimes like when you live in the suburbs you go into the city for prom Mm. it might be one of those things where the Mm -hmm. city might be an hour away which also begs the question why was adele there she was a chaperone that's what she said i was chaperoning my niece's prom but like why probably you know how like older people are like i have nothing to do i know but like normally it's like parents like it's not like hey my aunt over here (laughs) like I, it seems like a very Adele thing to do. Okay. Adele is a also, lot like Also, can you that. imagine if, like, the chief was there? <laughs> he wouldn't be. But what if he were? I wouldn't be. <laughs> so, speaking of that, we cut back to Izzy and Christina, and Izzy goes, Christina, can't you just try to understand? I love him. You don't even know him. I do know him. No, you've never seen him outside the four walls of this hospital. You don't know him. But argument... Christina, like, started dating Burke and, like, never saw him outside of the hospital. So, like... Yeah, but that was a lot more casual than cutting an Elvet Okay, well, yes, I get that. But I'm like... Anyway. I know him. Maybe I don't live with him or work with him like you do with Burke, but I do know him. And there's... There's possibility here. And given the chance of running or staying... You should run. A sane person. A person who values her career and everything she's worked for. A person who values her own heart, for God's sake. That person would run. And then Denny goes, should I do the Denny voice? A sane person would marry me. (laughs) It's so much less romantic in that voice. (laughs) Like, the way he says it is so nice and you're like, oh, but that I would have been like, oh, no. Han Solo, a sane person would marry me. No. And Ray's like, oh. <laughs> and then you're like, say what? Like, when I saw that, I was like, you do the Denise, you say what now? <laughs> no, you know that that gif of, like, Pikachu with his mouth open? He's just like, have you ever seen that? That is what, that is what um, my face was. I was just like. <laughs> the first time you're watching this, you're like, 
holy crap. Well, so much just happened in, like, three lines of dialogue. Well, and then I like, he says that, and then he's just, like, gone. <laughs> yeah, then he's, like, and dies. Like, he's just, like, wait, what? And it's, like, me. <laughs> well, okay, one, first of all, I love how they have izzy doing the heart pump like almost the entire episode Mm -hmm. it's it's a nice callback to the bomb episode with the ambu bag yeah making that noise and it's like it kind of like heightens the tension because it literally is like a heartbeat so it's like you're it's like you're hyper aware of a heartbeat yes which is always effective and two i feel such like a i mean i've always had people ask me why do you love Izzy Stevens so much? And it's because the way that she deals with situations and the way that her brain works, like the way she thinks, is so similar to me that I feel this kind of like moral kinship to Izzy where it's like she just gets a gut intuition about people and once she decides that you're worthy or once she decides something about you, she will do anything for you, which is similar to Meredith but in a different way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I feel so, and and this sounds cheesy, but I feel so, like, represented by Izzy. Like, I have some representation because she's so much like me on a fundamental level that I feel like I'm so glad that this character exists because she's me, you know? And that is something that is super important that I feel like a lot of people overlook. Mm-hmm. Simple representation, you know? Yeah. I also like the line, a person who values her own heart, for God's sake. Yeah. Because do you think Christina saying that line has anything to do with, man, I feel like I let Burke into my heart too much, and now I'm scared that he might die, and I wish that I never... Like, it's almost like, this isn't me, I just wish that I could stay clinical. Yeah. I hate that I'm turning into a human, basically. Well, it's also like, when you love someone, you're like you're opening yourself up to like a lot of other emotions because like what if that person hurts you? What if that person dies? Like you're opening yourself up to a lot of potential heartbreak. And then on the medical side of this, it's really interesting because one, they're all still interns. Mm-hmm. So you're like, holy crap, Denny's actually in danger. But at the same time, If you think back to, like, the pilot or, like, certain things in the beginning of this season, it shows you how much they've really learned Mm -hmm. in, in, you know. It's cool because, like, you definitely see them being, like, ooh, I know what to do in this situation. Like, I've learned this. But then you also still get the, like, we're interns and we are not experienced in this. And, Mm -hmm. like, you still get that, like, little, like... Which is why Shonda chose interns over established surgeons. This storyline could have never happened. Well, no, because, yeah. Which is... Interesting. Mm-hmm. So now we're finally cut over to Mercy West with Erica. And she goes, is Dr. Burke alive? Yes. Shame. He probably <laughs> have made a good donor. And I was like, nailed it. Damn. That can, was. Can you imagine if like Burke dies and they're like, hey, look, he's a perfect match for Denny. <laughs> and then Denny wakes up and he's just like, oh, no, I am a robot now. Do you like horses? <laughs> Except who would put the heart in because Burke's. No, here's what I want. I want Burke to have to give Denny his heart, and then Erica has to give up the heart that she's she's um, harvesting and give for it to Burke. Burke. Yes, and just for the sake of having to switch hearts, and then they all like have different hearts. And Denny is <laughs> Denny's just like I, my brain loves you, Izzy, but my heart beats for Christina. <laughs> 
And I, well, I actually really like this where she's just like, I'm not waiting. And Alex is like, you can't do that. I just did. And I'm just like, mm, yes, Erica. Yes. Like, I, I like her because she has a freaking personality. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I will kill you. Okay, but the thing is, is that Erica weirdly reminds me of Addison when dealing with Alex. But, yes. like, it it doesn't work the same way. Like, Erica is a little bit immature. And mm-hmm. I feel like Addison is more mature than Erica. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But for the sake of characterization, like, she does a great job in the three episodes she's in, so... Yeah, and then we get more scenes of 50-year-olds trying to reach teenage girls, and they're like, I called so-and-so, and and they called so-and-so, and and then they called so-and-so, and and all these people are here, and you're like, no. Can we read some of these names? So what we have is we have Claire and Natalie, and Camille, of course, but then Claire called Jillian. Natalie called Tessa. Tessa. And they called Simon, (laughs) Bianca, and Deborah, which sounds like the cast of, like... (laughs) Sounds like the cast of, like, Riverdale or something, you know? Like, oh, I called Simon and Bianca. (laughs) Just the way you said, I called Simon and Bianca. Simon is in the house, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, Richard... Richard, I keep calling him Richard in this episode. Yeah, it's disgusting. The chief is just like, girls, like, this needs to be quiet in here. Like, people are sick and people are dying. And then Claire says the most annoying line ever. She's like dying yeah we know and you're like god damn it claire like, good job claire <laughs> shut up like i the chief is like dude like this is my hospital the fact that i'm like trying to say this politely to you is a courtesy i could just kick them all out i'm trying to politely say it to you and she's just like dying and i'm like oh god and you're like i like camille but her friends are so annoying her friends suck yeah claire, dying yeah we know claire you're about to die in a second <laughs> yeah. you keep talking meredith is like who am I taking down? <laughs> Mary just like pops out of nowhere with like a scalpel. I got her chief. <laughs> and they're like, hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> a lot of character arcs and like just characters come full circle in this episode. And even in like super subtle ways. But like this next scene with Derek and Burke, I flash back to that. I believe it was season two, episode two, where remember that scene of meredith looking down the hallway at christina and then like burke and Derek were fighting in the hallway and they were just like you know he was all jealous because he got interim chief or whatever it reminded me of that but it's like now they've come full circle where the bomb kind of in the middle where they're kind of being like hey we have mutual respect for each other or when shonda said they were they were like the leaders of two armies but now they're kind of coming together here Mm mm-hmm and because Burke goes, what do I do? And Derek goes, it's not like you to ask those kind of questions. And Burke, this is like a very nice thing for Burke to say. It's not like you to not have the answers. That's saying that like normally you are a very, you know, commanding figure. And that's something mm-hmm. that Burke wouldn't have said 20 episodes ago. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And that makes the whole little almost over dramatic scene earlier where they were like, Paige, Dr. Shepard, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have Adele. I love this speech. Can you do it then? You don't have to do the voice. Just do it in in Becca voice. Okay. I just told my sister her baby's cancer is back. 
You're damn right I'm emotional. If you don't want to bend your precious rules for Camille, fine. Don't do it for her. Do it for me. Do it for your wife who never asks you for anything, who says nothing about your long hours, who looks the other way while you have an affair with another woman, who sobered you up when that woman left you, who stayed with you when everyone, everyone said I would be better off alone. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. You're going to make this up to Camille. You're going to prioritize the needs of your family above those of your other patients, or you're going to find a new place to sleep. And you're like, damn. Damn. Yeah. That is the moment where Adele slash Addison finally reaches their breaking point. Oh, yeah. We kind of got it with Addison last episode, and we really get it with Adele in this episode. Well, and it's like, now you kind of are like, I get why they have Adele in this episode now. Because last episode, when Addison goes, everyone knows Mm -hmm. that my husband is in love with another woman. Mm -hmm. That's what Adele just said. She's just like, everyone told me I would be better off alone because my husband's in love with another woman. Mm Mm-hmm. But what's so great is that Adele may not have been the chief's greatest love. Because mm-hmm. I, I believe that Ellis was probably the love of his life. Mm-hmm. Addison might not be Derek's greatest love. But it doesn't mean that Adele slash Addison meant nothing to them. You know? Yeah. It doesn't discount like the still, value of yeah. their like relationship. he still loves Addison. It's just... He, he's not the... She's not the love of his life. Yeah. And I love that take on divorce. You know, when people are like, divorce is evil, you shouldn't get divorced, you should, like, try to make it work. It's like, sometimes it's not that simple. There's shades of gray, you know? I really do believe 100% that Derek deeply cares about Addison. Oh, yeah. But he's just, Meredith's the love of his life, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> awesome. So then... We cut over straight to an Addison Derek moment, which is not coincidence. a coincidence. The uni- Universe and You acoustic extravaganza version by KT Tumstall is playing. Wow. And Derek's just not now, Addison. Not now. And he enters into this dark kind of it's not a conference room, it's more like a like a um a lounge for the doctors with a yeah. couch and a coffee machine and stuff. And we get a massive Derek and mm-hmm. the chief scene. Which is so cool and kind of satisfying because it's like Derek is the chief of his generation. Like, yeah, it's like it's almost like they're sitting next to each other, but there's a mirror, you know? It's almost- well, and it's also kind of like, in a way, the chief talking to his younger self. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? Which is cool. Ugh, I love it. Mm-hmm. And they also like, at first, are very much like almost doing the Christina Meredith thing of like, talking about different things and kind of talking at each other but then you kind of realize that like they're talking about the same thing just at different points in there yeah so i want to do the dialogue here do you mind being the chief sure there's never a good place to hide in this hospital i'm trying to get perspective everything feels enormous like it's all just i can't get perspective my niece's cancer has come back she's 17 years old and she's gonna die plus 25 years ago, I had a secret affair with Ellis Gray. And today, I find out that my wife knew the entire time. There was no secret, and she stayed with me. Hmm. I respect him, you know. Dr. Burke, I respect him. He's decent. He's honorable. 
He's an arrogant ass who hogs the OR and thinks he's God, but he's decent and he's honorable. I respect him. He's one of the foremost cardiothoracic thoracic surgeons in the country, and I've just got to... It's his hand. I can't... I cannot get perspective. I can't do this. I can't be responsible for it. Preston's an honorable and decent man, but Derek, so are you. You are honorable and decent, and you're too honorable and decent to run. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Which is so double meaning because, like, the whole, like, you're too honorable and decent to run, he's, like, talking about Burke, but I feel like there's also, like, something in there about the Addison Meredith thing, too. Mm-hmm. I know. I just need a minute to think about all the different, co- like, implications of that line. Yeah. Because it's almost like... It's like the chief is speaking to Derek about his current situation. But it's also kind of like the chief is saying, I forgive you to himself. It's almost like he's forgiving himself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I also think it's huge that, like, 25 years and the chief didn't know that Adele knew. Yeah. That's crazy. Because almost at first, like, when she says that line to him, I'm kind of like, like, it didn't really, like, hit me. Mm-hmm. And then he said that, and I was like, holy crap, he didn't know that she knew. Yeah, I know. You know? So he, yeah, he's really hasn't appreciated her mm-hmm. at all. And, but, like, you also have to remember that Addison, the previous night, so maybe, like, I don't know, a couple hours ago, like, five hours ago, told yeah. the chief that everyone knows yeah. that he's in love with Meredith and he knows he knows that Derek can relate to and the fact that it's Ellis Gray like everything about this scene is so perfect and I think it was around this time I realized Derek and the chief have not had a scene like this ever and mm-hmm. they saved it for the finale of course they did well the chief is like essentially saying I understand your feelings <laughs> better than anyone and it's not wrong for you to have those feelings, but it's wrong for you to make the same mistake as I made. Yeah. And he's basically like, don't make the same mistake. Mm-hmm. You're too honorable and decent to make that mistake. Mm-hmm. So then we cut over to this fantastic little scene where Bailey's basically like kind of catering to Burke and being like, what do you need? And then I love the, where is Christina? Where, where are all of the suck-ups? And you're like, finally someone notices that like her interns have literally been missing for like half of this episode and like a good portion of last episode i just like that you know something i'm a patient (laughs) preston xavier burke which his middle name is freaking xavier there is no middle name that is more burke than xavier oh and then i just love the like what have you done with my suck-ups and then the writers are like Let's just pan over to Jenny's room. Yeah, to they answer cut this immediately question. over and they're all like freaking out. I just like that. No, the whole point is to keep my heart beating. No, no, it only stops it for like six seconds. And they're all looking for this medicine. Again, they know what they're doing, they just don't know every single detail yeah. of it. So they know what medicine, but they don't know it until they say it. And they're all like, you guys, we have to do something. He can't take this for much longer. What about shocking him? Found it! <laughs> and I just like that, Denny, uh, you're going to feel the, Izzy, no, no, it's okay. It's it's just the medicine, I promise. Like, oh. Do you know how hard it must be to film a scene like that? Oh, so hard. And then you get this satisfaction of like, 
you know, like the heart starts beating again and everyone's kind of like taking the like exhale. Oh, the like, flat line is so like, effective. You know what I mean? Like the exhale kind of like, like it's okay. And then you have the like, you fools better have an explanation for that, like a good explanation for this. And you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> but like, isn't that flat line so effective? So effective. And, and I, then like that beep, beep. Yeah. You know? And then the shot I love of where you can like, see like the back of bailey and then like you see all of them like turn to her and all of them have that same look of like oh crap yeah like the worst possible person to see us right now oh yeah because like even if the chief walked in they would have been like whatever but like nah they wouldn't have been whatever but well you know but it's like they're like this is Bailey. like she's basically like the mother figure You're, yeah they're like oh crap they just let down their mother which Hell yeah yeah and this is the moment we've been waiting for for at least half a season you oh, know yeah Oh, yeah. And I like how they did Bailey... I like how they made her calm because it's so much scarier than if she had yelled. Oh, yeah. Because it's, like, that creepy thing of, like, why is she so calm about this? Like, they're literally killing Denny. Well, she's so mad that she's calm, which is, Mm -hmm. like, interesting. And, of course, freaking Olivia. Olivia, take over for Dr. Stevens. It's like, could you have picked a worse person? Maybe Callie. (laughs) Definitely Callie. No, Callie wouldn't have cared. Callie would have watched and been like, George, George, you're not standing up for me. And you're like, how could he stand up for you in this moment, Callie? (laughs) Exactly. Nobody is attacking you, Callie. Oh, my God. No. What would have happened? I got this. Bailey would have been like, Callie, take over. And she would have, like, gone over there and been like, Izzy. And then Izzy would have been like, no. And she would have been like, George, you need to stand up for me. And everyone's like, what? Your intern boyfriend. Ugh. I just thought, no, do not touch me. And I was like, damn. And then it's scary. Olivia stay with dr stevens help her if she'll let you you three outside now and you're like bailey's gonna murder them bailey's gonna kill everyone like this is how the season ends like i'm pretty sure every single person watching this episode if they were doing something else they put it down to watch what is gonna happen because they this is another thing that they've been building up since Mm -hmm. the pilot like i feel like since we got the characterization that bailey is the way she is we knew in the back of our head we knew that there was going to come a moment in this television show where this sort of thing would happen yes and you've been waiting for it the whole time it's just now where was rational thought where was cognitive thinking first do no harm the morals the ethics where was the sanity when you three decided to help that girl and then Meredith, like, tries to get, no, no, speaking, nobody speaks. I do not want to have to testify against any of you in a court of law. And you're like, boom, boom. <laughs> in the criminal justice system. <laughs> Olivia Benson just walks in. I'm here. <laughs> you're like, what? You flew across the country? And I like how George just clears his throat. <laughs> Look, I said no speaking. I didn't say anything. Then no moving. I was like, damn. The point, I mean, I'm sure you watched this. There's no real analysis here. I feel like we've kind of done all of that. But I do like how she picks Grey, come with me. Because Meredith is our entry point. She's our main character. It, Of course mm-hmm. it was Meredith. I also like the subtle way that Bailey's kind of supporting them. She's like, I'm assuming you run labs. Like, go get them for me. Yeah. And like, the like, I do not want to have to testify against any of you in the court of law. Mm-hmm. Like, she's still slightly being like, I get it, but also being like, this is horribly wrong, guys. Well, there's there's her human nature as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah, so now we get a scene with Burke and um, Christina, and they're both, like, super vulnerable because 
the other is like the only person that they're really attached to to the point where they can be that vulnerable which mm-hmm. is kind of a fascinating mm-hmm. interaction yeah i i like this scene watching it but there's really not that much analysis i feel like we can do it's just Mm-mm. like burke is like almost crying it's like he's been reduced to this little boy almost mm-hmm. and it's and, something we've never yeah. seen and like christine is this person who you think of as like always having the answer always knowing what to do and she is just like so like yeah i i, I need to go like mm-hmm. And just, like, you'd never expect her to freeze up in this scene. Yeah. And she just, like, doesn't know how to handle it. I just like that little moment where she runs into the closet and just breathes. I mean, just the blocking of it, Mm -hmm. the shot, the the lighting of it is perfect. It's awesome. Well, it's also because, like, don't you think her mind is probably racing right now? It might not have to do so much with Burke. Like, if the whole Denny Mm -hmm. thing hadn't just happened, she might have been able to answer or be with him a little bit more. Yeah. But she's... She has like that's why she ran into that room because she hasn't breathed in like an hour, you mm-hmm. know. And um, then we get back to Denny. Well, I just like this because like Denny, Olivia, and Bailey, and well, and Meredith are all in this scene or whatever. And Izzy goes, "Doctor Bailey, I did indeed say no speaking. I don't care. He's gonna get the heart right." And I was like. Damn. Like, honestly, Izzy going off the rails is probably 90% why I was put on Earth. I can't get enough. Well, and I feel like that's really the moment. And her standing up to Bailey is really where you're kind of like, Izzy has literally lost everything. Because, like, mm-hmm. I feel like, like, even in their darkest moments, they're like, Bailey is the mother. We must respect Bailey and be nice. Yeah. And, like, the fact that you just, I don't care. And you're like, oh, my Lord. Yeah, because... Izzy's essentially saying, I don't care about anything as much as I care about this. And then you have this moment where, like, Bailey just kind of delivers this line of, Isabel Stevens, I take my medical advice from doctors. You are a visitor. And it's like, holy shit. Like, she says that, and to me, like, that line was almost more effective than, like, some of her other lines of, like... But she should have said that in the first scene. She shouldn't have let Izzy stay in that room. That was a huge oversight. I don't know. I think she was doing it because she, like, was going to talk to the other ones first and then be like, now get out. Like, yeah. I'm done with you. Olivia, take over the heart pump. But I like this. Like, she lets Olivia take it over and you're like, wow, Izzy was put in her place. Like, wow, Bailey's on top again. But then they have this fantastic shot of Katherine Heigl's face where it's, like, way close to her face. And her eyes look so desperate that she almost like doesn't look human like it's like she's staring into your very essence and making you question who the hell you are and she goes he gets the heart though right and then that's it and you're like wow it's like crazy because this is really the moment where you realize that izzy doesn't care about anything else Mm -hmm. except any getting that she has nothing to lose and she like she will not pull any punches and i was like Catherine Heigl, take all of my money. Yes. And then I love this little scene where Bailey finds the time to go talk to the chief. Sir, uh, I need to ask you a hypothetical question. And you're like, oh, Right. Lord. And of course, we're not going to read all of this. No. But I just, the fact that Bailey did this hypothetically implies that she is trying to protect her interns. She is. And that's, I like that because. She's very much being like, you guys are going to be punished for this. Like, this is so wrong. But then she's also doing her slight little, like, mothering, like, Bailey ways of, like, I am trying to protect you guys. 
and all yeah, this stuff. Because I see your potential. I want. I wonder if she's trying to protect her interns, or if she's trying to protect herself, or if she's trying to protect all the ones that aren't Izzy. Because everyone knows that Izzy did it. Oh yeah. But they can't prove it. Yes. So I wonder if Bailey's like, I don't want Meredith, George, and Christina to go down for a stupid decision by Izzy. Mm-hmm. For just helping out someone like... Yeah. Like, they basically kind of helped her save his life. I mean, it's kind of like a code of... It's similar to, like, police. Like, the it was almost like a brotherhood moment where it's like, you don't walk away. You don't leave your partner, you know? Yeah. And I don't... And I think Bailey is realizing that she would probably have done the same thing and she doesn't want George and Izzy... I mean, George, Meredith, and Christina to go down for that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she would be okay if Izzy went down for that. I don't know. We might find out later. We'll see. Uh, yeah. And then we go over to Mercy West and we finally, finally get the moment where, yes, Denny got the heart. And everyone's kind of like... I feel like I just exhaled. And, but I love how they also, like, because you're like, yes, like, this is fantastic. And then Erica does the whole line, like, he has kids. They're four and five. Do you know how long he's been waiting for this? He's a good person. He deserves a heart. And you're like, you're almost like, to me, it almost made me, like, kind of, again, think about, like, the ethics of, like, Izzy. Because really, like, in all this situation, Izzy's thinking about Denny, and you're like, Denny needs his heart, Denny needs his heart. And then, for me, this was, like, another reminder of, like, yeah, he got the heart, but she also kind of stole it from someone else. Yeah, but again, it's television. Like, that's what makes it good and interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if I had a choice, I would have her do it all over again. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it isn't interesting, but it gives you, again, another dilemma of, like, we know she loves him and all this stuff, but, like, she did kind of steal it from another person and, like, you know. And that other person didn't have a medical person helping him Yeah, like that. it, like, adds another layer to the kind of whole debate that is this, you know, her cutting the LVAD. And- well, that's what I've always been interested in because, like, when somebody dies on a medical show and they show, like, the family, like, crying and losing it, it's like, you don't really feel it because you haven't grown to mm-hmm. love that person. I think that that's kind of what they did with Denny is that you were just like, no, he needs the heart. But it's like that other guy has a whole support system that feels the exact same way. Yeah. It's interesting. Also, like, how do you think they explained that to that guy? Like, he's like, yeah, I'm getting this heart. And then they were like, so. <laughs> I think they probably said somebody, um, the other guy that was right behind you, his condition worsened. Well, yeah. <laughs> so this medical person. I don't think they would do body. that. Well, no, they wouldn't. But can you just imagine that? And he's just like, "What the hell?" There's a gorgeous shot of the sun, I believe, rising mm-hmm. in Seattle because that was all overnight. Which I again think that's like the sun's rising on a new day. You it's know, satisfying. Yeah, like of course that happened overnight. You know. So then we get the song "Look at Her Face" by the Coral Sea playing, and we get this like short little like almost cute scene of like Derek and Burke you could take up fishing I don't fish (laughs) 308 so cute and then he goes fishing huh and then Derek you don't fish it's it is it's adorable it's like bromance they're like little bros it's cute this shot of Katherine Heigl and the camera panning around her it adds so much to this scene just because of the creativity and it's a scene that has stuck in my head for years and mm-hmm. it's it's like you took a moment that could have just been boring but you made it extraordinary mm-hmm. great job yeah 
And then we also get the shot of Burke going into surgery as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Just the, I was going to say, please don't try to kill me. I'll do my best. <laughs> no promises. And that's a quick little, like, that whole, like, montage of stuff happened with that one song and then it ended. But it was a very quick, like, song because mm-hmm. then the next one is Through the Backyards by A.U. Ravor Simone. Ravoir. And then I, like, it's so interesting that Dr. Han has to perform the surgery. Yeah. Give like, the heart to another band. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oof. But, and you're like, yep, suck it, yep. Dr. Han. Mm-hmm. And then you get this Bailey. He wouldn't have lasted another hour with this heart. No, he wouldn't have. And you're like, so it, in a way, the heart did go to the right person just for the wrong reasons. But my question, was it just he wouldn't have lasted another hour with his heart because she cut the Elved? Like if he, like if the Elved was fine, he would have been fine or like. I think so. Okay. Yeah. And then George, Christina, Izzy, and Meredith are sitting on the floor under the surgical board, which cannot be a coincidence because as we've said, the surgical board predicts. Yes kind of the vibe of the episode how -hmm. things are gonna go down Mm -hmm. and i just i love the scene of them sitting the four of them sitting there because it kind of just brings back to the fact of like they're almost like the children Mm -hmm. in this they're interns like but they're also in this together they're in time out (laughs) it reminds me of that scene the who has who feels like they have no idea what they're doing and meredith goes it is a timeout what we did is way in need of a timeout and I love this line with Izzy, and you're probably right. Maybe I should run, but I'd rather be running towards somebody than running away. Yeah. It's like, God damn it, Grey's Anatomy. It's like every episode, every episode for the past at least four episodes has had a line like this mm-hmm. where I'm like, you couldn't have said that in a more profound, simplistic way. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting is that it's all different writers. Yeah. They all have the capability to do this. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then the chief comes and gets Yang. And I just love this. She, um, I can't. I, I'm in t- a timeout. And he, like, is just like, well, timeout's over. Come on. <laughs> like, doesn't even question, like, what the hell? He doesn't put together the fact that, like, what Bailey just said to him, like, a scene ago, a transplant patient, yeah. he they're also, all in a timeout. Like, he's He, he so also, oblivious. like, doesn't question the fact that she just told him that she was in timeout yeah like he was just like whatever like come on seriousness mixed with comedy good job grace so how and then izzy goes screw this i'm checking on denny like doesn't care i love that oh he said marry me right he did that really happened it really happened in the meredith it really did the two of them the way that they answer this are like we don't care meredith has gone back to the you're talking about someone that's not me so how we operate by Gomez, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, so they're bringing Burke into kind of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. But, yeah, yeah. And But we cut quickly back to George taking some responsibility <sighs> for what happened between him and Meredith. And this quote is possibly the most satisfying thing that happens in this episode. It's so amazing. The like, do you want to read this whole part or? The blue? No, the dialogue. Oh, hell yes. I'll be George. Okay. Thank you for calling me about Izzy. Hey, I didn't do you any favors. Well, it meant something that you called. It meant something to me. Didn't mean anything. Right, okay. Sorry. Stop saying that you're sorry. You want to know something? I knew. I knew you didn't feel that way about me. Even during, when we were in bed, I knew. 
I knew and I still let it happen because, um, I figured that one night with you was better than never. So will you just stop saying that you're sorry because you didn't know any better, but I did. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Meredith. Which, like, everyone should be going, yes! He finally, finally admits that he had some part in this disastrous thing and that it's not just Meredith's fault and Izzy's fault. Mm -hmm. You know? But I remember the first time watching that, I was completely shocked when George ended up being the one to apologize to Meredith because I feel like even the show convinces you, the audience, from, like, just repeatedly, episode after episode, that George is the puppy and Meredith kicked the puppy. The show implies that. And then there's this great moment where the show's kind of like, no, spin it 180, and George takes responsibility, and by taking responsibility, he proves that he's not the puppy. Mm-hmm. And I think half of this is just him realizing, like, what they've all been through, and it's been like, we're a family, and, like, I feel like he's known in the back of his mind for a while that this whole thing of, like, I knew this and I didn't, like, I let it happen... And I think he's finally being like, we're family. I need to tell her and I need to apologize. Like, this is something that, like... Can you imagine the degree of self-loathing he's probably been feeling? Yeah. Because he knew that night, he knew. And he's just been playing the victim because everyone assumed that he was the victim. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how much, like, that piled the self-loathing on? Which, like, in a way, excuses him for, like, all of the, like, self-pity he's been doing and all the, like, me. Because the self-pity wasn't because I'm Meredith joined. rejected him. It was because he was hating himself mm-hmm. for hurting her. So now, like, in a way, I almost feel bad of being like, ugh, George, shut up, when he was, like, complaining all those episodes ago. But then I'm like, nah, I don't. There's specifically this moment, and it's completely TR. Like, he decided to play it this way, where he, they're sitting there, and Meredith is just staring at him the entire time he's saying this, but he's not looking at her. And then there's this moment where he, like, turns his head to look at her, and then you can see he's, like, fighting to look up, and he's he's scared, but he wants to look up at her, and he looks at her for a split second before he looks back down. So his, he turns his head completely, and then his eyes flash up to her and then flash right back down because he's terrified of what, she'll, what she looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that has stuck with me so much, just that one look that TR decided to do in this one scene. It, like has made a permanent mark on me because I thought it was so gorgeous. So then they wake up Burke and they're trying to get Yang to like calm him down and she is just not. Well, that, that like scary moment where you realize he's, his body suddenly feels the pain. Mm -hmm. You're like, I don't know if he still feels all of it because he's probably still on like morphine and stuff, but like, he's feeling something. Oh yeah. He jumps. Well, it's also, like, terrifying because, like, he has the thing in his mouth Mm -hmm. and they're, like, and, like, you're in the OR, like, they're performing surgery on you right now and it's, like, jarring, probably, like, disoriented and, like, all this stuff. And Christina is just not, she, like, cannot get in there. Like, she's frozen, which you're, like, this never happens. And Um, then, meanwhile, Erica is done. They're just waiting for the heart to beat. Then we cut over to Patrick Dempsey, who is, like, playing Panic so well. Mm -hmm. I mean... This cannot be an easy scene for Patrick or Isaiah to play, Mm. and they still do it so well. Yeah. 
I love this whole thing of like Christina freezing up because she's finally in a way showing some vulnerability and like it I feel like this shows just how much Burke means to her that she isn't able to just kind of go in and treat him like a normal patient because I think that's why they were like oh Yang's fine you know like she's Mm -hmm. done surgery a million times like she can do this and she walks in and it's not just I'm a doctor and he's a patient like she's like this is someone that I love and I'm like having a hard time like seeing him in pain and like seeing them like perform surgery on him and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and like the unknown of it all the human yeah Yeah. she doesn't want to be Izzy but she feels kind of like she is Izzy Mm -hmm. on the inside yeah and then finally, during all this fast cutting and high um, high intensity and this creepy, eerie music playing, Alex just looks up and sees Izzy watching in the gallery. And remember, this is the first time Alex has seen Izzy since she went rogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also really cool. Like, this is also, in a way, like, a subtle thing that they've done a lot of the whole, like, looking up and, like, seeing someone in the gallery. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Derek did it with Addison in one episode. Yeah, like, Marshall. Yeah. Meredith. Yeah. Like, they've done it so many times, and I really like that. Just but kind it of works. Like, yeah. Yeah. It works every time, so I can't even be angry at it. So all this fast cutting, and I think the audience is realizing by all this fast cutting that this is probably how they're going to end the episode. And they do. Yeah. And it's basically just, like, you have no idea what's happening. Like, Burke is on the table. Like, you're like, is Christina going to help him? Mm-hmm. Is Denny's heart going to start beating? Like, is he going to freak out because Denny's heart isn't beating? Like, what is going to happen? And it's just like, and Grey's Anatomy. And no speech. And you're like... <laughs> <laughs> well, no speech because 26 and 27 are just one yes. package. But, yeah. It's also, in a way, like, how they kind of did with the bomb episode and, mm-hmm. like, you're kind of left on the, like... Because they did a little bit of the fast-cutting to the end of the bomb episode where you're just kind of like, what? And you're yeah. like, there is no resolution. And so, like, how do I make a speech, you know? Exactly. Well, uh, it's so much better without a speech. There yes. there shouldn't have been it's one. It's satisfying. Yeah. The seriously count is zero. Sadly. Patient rankings. We have the exact same. All right, so let's just go. Number four, Camille. Weirdly? I feel like she'll be higher next episode. Yes. And I feel like... She would have been higher if I knew from the fact that she's, like, she's purely a plot device. And I'm like, whatever. And most of that plot device comes into effect next episode. And so you're like, yeah, whatever. But what's weird is that we both ranked Petey higher than Camille. Even though he was in this episode for, like, 0.5 seconds. I I just, I really liked the moment with Christina of, like... That guy shot you. yeah. Yeah. And, like, the, like, I'm going to be able to tell his family that I did everything I could to save his, like, miserable life. And I also like the choice... Of they had the shooter in this episode, and they so easily could have done this huge, long thing of, like, he's the shooter, and this is why he did it, and all this stuff. But they don't. They don't even really... Linger on it at all. They really don't even tell you if he's dead or not, you know? Yeah, which is good. Like, the last you hear about him is Christina goes, they took my guy upstairs. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Like, she's talking about, like, upstairs, like, heaven, or, like... To the morgue. <laughs> to the morgue. Like, yeah. what is she talking about? And I like it, because it shows, again, the fact that... The purpose of this whole, like, this storyline of the shooting isn't the shooter. It's not the shooting. It's the main characters of this freaking TV yes. show. But, anyway. Number two, Preston Burke. Yeah, Burke. Which, obviously. Let's face it. The two characters in this story, in this episode that you're supposed to care about, are Denny and Burke. Mm-hmm. And. Number one is Denny. Yes. Spoiler. <laughs> Which, like, if if you guys thought that we were going to get through the past three episodes and not have, like, Denny as this, the f- top character, you don't know us. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have to explain why Denny's number one. But I would ask you a question. Mm-hmm. We've had Burke. We've had Christina. 
We've had Burke as a patient. We've had Christina as a patient. The chief. The chief as a patient. I think that's it so far. Well, I mean, George, we, we kind of. We kind of had Addison, too. Yeah, but those are just, those were c- completely for comedy. comedy. And introducing Callie, which barf. Oh, barf. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking season one for George, where he had to get his, uh. Sif. Sif. That was hilarious, too. Yeah. I forgot about that one. I think he does pretty well as a patient. I think he's Burke? a pretty intriguing patient because mm-hmm. he kind of goes in a direction where I didn't think he would, where he just kind of is Mm-mm. just a child. He's like reduced to vulnerability. And I'm like, yeah, Whoa. child or not knowing it. But then he also brings out the vulnerability in Christina. I feel like the only reason, like at this moment right now, the only reason I would put Christina over Burke, like just at the end of this episode would be because of that, like the crying scene and like that whole thing of like her and Burke. Um, I'm sorry, but Christina as a patient is probably one of the best things that ever happened on this entire show. Oh, yeah. Next episode, we get more of of all, why I also like Burke as a patient, mm-hmm. but they're both good. They're Make- bo- the two of them are just two satisfying characters that, like, you'd think that, like, the sort of writing standard, you'd be like, oh, they'd be boring, like, because they're both kind of robotic in ways, but there's just so, such satisfying characters when they're I know. together. I know. I can't get enough of Burke. Like... A lot of people are like, oh, Christina's my favorite character of all time, which, sure, valid. But, like, if you... I don't understand when people are like, I can't stand Burke. He's so boring. I'm like, are we even watching the same show? He is amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Anyway. Make one change. Introduce Camille earlier. Yeah. Actually, I would change that. Mm -hmm. Even if it was something as subtle as, like, a couple episodes ago, they introduce her and they're like, yeah, Addison's just taking her out for cancer. And they mention, like, the, like, yeah, like, she's in remission. Like, it could have been, like, a short little scene that they just, like, boop, in, Mm -hmm. like, two episodes ago or something. And honestly, that would have actually kind of made it very realistic because that kind of thing happens to doctors where it's, like, maybe we start the scene or we start the episode with her with a different patient. She checks him out and they're like, okay, Alex, now let's go do whatever. You know? Yeah, like this little scene with this person who's like this. And then she comes in this episode and you're like, oh, oh I right. remember her. Yeah, and they don't have to do the whole scene of like, she's had ovarian cancer since this time. And like this, and you're like, you're just whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So next week is the season finale of season two. Yes. It is an extended episode. It has audio commentary. And it's downright, flat out amazing. So... Buckle up, because that's probably going to be a long one. Because not only is it a fantastic episode, but with audio commentary and extended scenes, wow. Yeah. So, season two, episode 27, Losing My Religion, written by Shonda Rhimes. Who else could have written it? Directed by Mark Tinker. So, wow. I'm actually surprised they didn't have P. Hort. I know. I miss P. Hort. He hasn't done one in a long time. I know. Where is he? So to get in touch with us or to send us in questions for our season two overview podcast, you can on Twitter, which is at Grays Uncut. Mine on Twitter is at Hazard underscore Emily. Becca's is at Anderson underscore Becca. Our website is grazenatomyuncut.home.blog. Our Gmail for longer questions or comments or questions for the podcast is Uncut at gmail.com. And we are 100% on iTunes. Every episode is up on iTunes. So leave us a rating and review and we might give you a shout out in the episode. Mm-hmm. So And make sure you send us in your questions. Yes. We want to know what you guys want to hear us yak about. Did we mention that you can send us in listener questions? All right. Questions. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a good penultimate episode. Although, is this the penultimate, or would 2225 be the penultimate? Because 26 and 27 are kind of like the finale. What is a penultimate? 
the episode before the finale. I think 225 is the penultimate. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of shows do two-hour finales, and they just have it called one episode, so. Anyway. Great ep. Another great ep is coming. Buckle up, guys. Guys, we're almost done with season two. We're facing to the finish line. We're almost done with season two. All right. I'll see you.